Hello and welcome to Angel's Costumes Behind the Seams. I'm Jeremy Angel. I'm Jonathan Lippman. And I'm Richard Green. Today we're going to be introducing my talk to Jill Taylor. We go back a long, long way. I'm delighted to say she's currently in the building working on a, on a production. Another ex-BBC employee. Jill's always one of the designers I, I, I enjoy when she comes in because she always, the preparation that she does and the sort of ways she gears herself up, it's great to watch the research and everything. I mean, Military Wives was the perfect example of that for me with Jill. Yes. Yeah, she's got great energy. Yes. And, and she's lucky in that she's got a great team that work with her and that creates a shorthand uh, which enables her to get straight into the the essence of what, of what the project's all about. And I think that the work that she's uh, accomplished over the years with sliding doors and johnny english and uh, full monty you know they're they're key british films which have all been made with technicians and creatives who would have met her and worked alongside her when during that time at the bbc in the world that 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 subsequently fed into is the industry that we have today and just talking of the teams just to get some clarity before the interview starts Richard she refers to Bo quite a lot who is Bo? Bo, <laughs> Bo, is, Bo is Charlotte Sewell it's, it's a nickname that we have basically because uh, I think we once saw a picture of her dressed as a fancy dress outfit as Bo Peep and it stuck um, she probably won't thank us for for making that public but there we go and of course yeah you're you're quite right I mean Charlotte is an important part of Jill's team and Jill acknowledges that in 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 our talk I think at some point down the line we need to have a chat with Charlotte because in addition to her career as a as a really great costume assistant and supervisor she's making great inroads into the setup of to and the re-establishing the union, the, the costume designer stroke supervisor union, which is becoming very important, especially at this point in time. No, definitely. to bow. In fact, I think we've set it up. There's there's the two Charlottes. There's Charlotte Finley and Charlotte Sewell, who um, who sort of both headed up. And I think uh, I think we are going to be chatting to them because you're right, Jonathan. It's an extraordinarily important thing, and I know that they've been absolutely frantic in this. You know, these last couple of months with all this unusual and um, strange circumstances. So, yes, I think it's going to be an interesting an interesting talk with those two. I know we don't cover it on the interview, but I wanted to ask you, Richard, for this one with Jill. Military wives, how did the research for military with Jill work? Was, it, was a lot of it passed on to the military department? Was there an advisor or had Jill done the research? I mean, I know she'd done the research. Was she doing most of it herself or was she happy to use other input no as always it's kind of a combination there was um there was a military advisor that the production company employed jill of course did did her research and went and spoke to the wives and of course you know tom and tom and our uniform department had a lot of input into it as well so it as always the, the most successful things are, are the ones where there's some sort of cooperation and some some consensus you know, um, traditionally, I, 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 I hate the time when the guy who happens to be repairing the air conditioning unit in a, in a studio sidles up to the director and goes, well, I was in this mob 15 years ago. And, uh, we didn't wear that. And invariably, he's wrong or he, he or she's wrong because, you know, memory plays funny tricks. And we've done our research and we've looked at our dress regulations and, and things. But, of course, as soon as somebody says there's something wrong with the uniform, 
it's like panic stations and, and everybody's rushing around trying to establish whether it's correct or not. The fact that for, for years and years and years it's been essential to get these things as, as correct as possible, but now clearance has started to to take over such an important part of, of filming, getting permission to actually use anything, uh, depict anything on screen. We live in very litigious times, so we do need to protect themselves and if it's not absolutely vital for the narrative in terms of the degree of accuracy, then it's far better that they've got something that is a semblance of it or the storyline is such that the detail is not absolutely required. But in order for that to take place, Jill still needs to know what the detail is. Yeah. yeah. So it would be her responsibility to, to do all the research for then to make the decision along with the producer and director as to what direction to go in, in terms of the degree of accuracy. Well, that's true, but it goes mightily against the grain, having spent all of my career trying to get everything, you know, as, as, as correct as we possibly can and spending money buying the right badges and replicating things and talking to, I don't know, the American Marine unit at the embassy or the Russian military attache at the embassy, which Tim and I did at one point to get things correct. Um, now, now when everything has to be slightly off or, or, or not 100% because of clearance, it's, it's slightly galling. I remember that time, I don't know if you do, Jonathan, but we were doing a contemporary production and um, they wanted a courier, motorcycle couriers tabard. And we spoke to whichever courier company we used down in Shaftesbury Avenue and they, they agreed to lend us one. I think it was, must have been quite a new thing when you had names on, on, on these things. Hmm. And it was only when I asked the I asked the designer what the storyline was. It turned out that this courier was actually going around um, people's houses and attacking attacking women. <laughs> so we, we we had to point out fairly quickly that possibly in this case they couldn't use a, a, a real courier company tabard because. Um, they, they, they might have been a little bit upset. We hope you've been enjoying these conversations. We definitely have, and we've been enjoying getting any feedback. If you have any questions or requests, please email them to podcast at angels.co.uk, or you can visit our website, which is www.angelsbehindthescenes.com, or you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, forward slash costume podcast. And here's Rich's conversation with Jill Taylor. Hello, this is Richard Green from Angels Costumes. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Miss Jill Taylor, costume designer. Jill, hello. Hello, Richard. I'm loving the myth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a myth. <laughs> it's a myth. It's a myth. Oh, finally, finally, I have to say to everybody, I'm delighted we finally managed to do oh. this because we tried to set it up about a month ago, didn't we? Yeah, well, I just should tell everybody I'm a complete dullard with technology, so... Uh, but I got, you know, stranded with no computer in Cumbria and uh, discovered. Yes. So anyway, here we are. We've done it. We're here. So basically, um, we, we, we structure these chats and, and the intention is, is both to entertain, obviously, but to, to give people an insight into the world of costume and perhaps people who are thinking about coming into the business, how, how they might best do that and what they should be looking to do. So there's five sort of questions that we'll riff around. And the first one is a very, very simple one, which is kind of like, how did you get into the business, Jill? Oh my God. Okay. All right. How much time do we have? Uh, so uh, in a nutshell, I I used to um, sit with my grandmother on Saturday afternoons. She used to look after me on Saturday afternoons. And we always used to watch the Saturday matinees that were playing, like, you know, all the old Warner Brothers movies, Betty Davis, John Crawford. 
And I, from about the age of 10, nine or 10, used to think, oh, I'd love to be able to do the clothes for people like this. Really? As early as early as that, you were kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was very early. Brilliant. Very early. And I thought, what a what a cool job. Uh, and I always loved clothes as a child. Um, I, I don't want to sound like a Monty Python sketch, but, you know, my parents had divorced and there was no money. You know, it was all... Well, you were lucky we lived in a box in the middle yeah, of the road. Exactly. Yeah, so I, you know, <laughs> so I, I was go- we were going down that road, literally. And um, <laughs> uh, so I used to think, how could I do this? I'd love to do this as a job I just thought it was very cool and I love love I still love to this day old black and white movies and mm, yeah me too in conjunction with that my father who was living in Leeds at the time had managed to talk himself into a job of being the first wardrobe master for Yorkshire television it was the period where all the regionals were just starting up with their own tv stations right and so um, being the wheeler dealer, twister stealer that my father was, he'd managed to talk himself into this job, knowing nothing about clothes at all, really, except the fact that he loved clothes as well. So in between Saturday matinees with my grandmother and Joan Crawford and Betty Davis and being allowed to go and see my father in Leeds, mm. where he was living this life which was completely unknown to me you know he was doing things like uh, some of the older members of our audience will remember probably Hadley uh, was Jerry Harper and and all those old 60s TV shows yes sadly (laughs) I, I was exposed to all of that from the age of 10 and and it just sort of fueled my imagination that I could that maybe there was a possibility I could go in and do that sort of stuff now when I told him at school when you have the careers talk at 12 or 13, mm. however old you are, and they looked horrified, you know, this Geordie girl saying, you know, I want to go into the film business. And uh, they just said to me, well, you you have to go and do shorthand and typing. And so yeah. all the things I loved to do, I wasn't allowed to do at school. And uh, so I left school with no qualifications, arguing with my mother who decided she wanted me to go to Barclays Bank. Anyway, you know, however many years later, here I am by some form of magic. This is a recurrent theme that, you know, careers offices or officers, and I'm not sure they even exist in schools anymore, but... Don't get me started. They they just couldn't kind of get out of those, those getting people along those established grooves, could they? Secretary, go into banking, go into insurance. Yeah, that was it, because that that was deemed, particularly in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the late 60s, when I was, however old I was, they, they were, that's what they did. That was where you were guided to go. And I was having none of it. I mean, whatever else yeah. I was, and I was this shy, timid little thing. But, you know, I... <laughs> okay, I, 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 hang on. I just want to pause there for a minute while I try and, <laughs> try and reassess. I know. Reassess if you. And if you'd known me at 10, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't have been to a goose. Except, you know, I obviously knew, I knew very strongly what I didn't want to do. And I knew I didn't want to go into Barclays Bank. Yeah. And I didn't want to go into an office. And I did not want to go and be a... So how did you avoid not doing that then, Jill? Come on, what did you do? Because I know that... You... Well, I threw a pint of milk over my mother, which is terrible, <laughs> in an argument. Because she, well, that would have helped. She had me, had me lined up for an interview with the local Barclays Bank, and I just said, I'm not going. I'm not going. So basically what happened was I dug my heels in. I'd given up at school because they wouldn't let me do art, they wouldn't let me do history, all the things I was interested really? in. Yeah, because of the curriculum. 
I haven't a good word to say about careers advisors and I really haven't a good word to say about schools either. So we should just quickly, you know, get Well, it's strange because I was talking to Amy Roberts and she said the only things she was good at were history, English and art. And she went to to art art school, but she was encouraged to actually do that, whereas you seem to have been actively discouraged in doing that. Oh, I was discouraged. And my mother, and what I used to do, my as I said earlier, my dad, my parents were divorced. I had a stepmother who was also, my dad had got into Yorkshire television, but my stepmother had really gone to art school. And, you know, she was very clever. And she used to draw, and I used to copy her drawings. And so I used to, I just gave up at school. So I used to sit and draw in the back of my maths class. Right. I left school with no qualifications. I mean, I left school with nothing. And uh, I did everything at night school when I left. And I just wanted to go to art school. And so my mother, again, was livid about this. And she, I remember her saying to me, I, I see nothing here that you can make a career out of. That's what she said to me. So, <laughs> so I, you know, but by then I was like, well, I'm not going to swear. Just, well, you can all just bugger up this is what I want to do I ended up going to a very very small art school which was just starting off an art course that I was comfortable doing because I hadn't done any art for ages you know just my stuff but nothing at school and they took me on and I did a two-year foundation course and then I still didn't know how to get into the film business. I had no clue. My dad, by this point, had long since left the business. So, you know, I'd had no, I had no clue, really. So what they said to me was, you can illustrate fashion very well, Jill. You can draw fashion figures very well. And uh, they said to me at, at art school, we suggest you go and do a fashion degree. And I thought, okay, oh. it wasn't, I, you know, I love clothes, but I was not really interested in fashion per se um, so yeah. I ended up by hook or by crook going uh, into I went to Northumbria University actually but it was the poly then and they they took me on I was not confident enough at 18 to come to London I just wasn't ready to come to London at 18 it was too soon I'm not sure actually having met you that London was ready for you at 18. No, no, you're quite right. I mean you know you're quite right but I just really wasn't ready to come to London so interestingly yeah. the next best course at the time they were few and far between was Newcastle they had the best course outside of London so I ended up doing four years there it was a huge shock to me because I didn't even think I'd have to sew I mean I'd always sewn a little bit but not that much and it certainly wasn't Mm. my great interest so you know when they told me first off in four years you're going to have to produce a collection of clothes was hilarious so I ended up on this course which was a what we call a, a sandwich course. So you were sent out into industry for two terms yeah. in, in yeah. that time. Yeah, almost a sort of like an apprenticeship. Really, yeah, yeah, it was. In a but sense, I mean, sort of hands-on yeah. experience plus some academic plus yeah. some, some, some Well, you know, you had work. to do your yeah. dissertation yeah. and you had to do, and then, mm. and then it was all about coursework. It was all about, and, you know, we were timetable yeah. from like eight in the morning till six in the evening. So me thinking I'd just turn up to one lecture and the rest of the time would be my own was rubbish. But but what, what I did do, which was incredible for me, was, you know, you would finish your timetabled work. And then I got, we, we all got so proficient at sewing. We were all so quick that, you know, I would just remember, you know, cutting an outfit out when I was lying on the floor around me. And I would have it sewn and I was in the bar by 8.30. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing the outfit. That's- <laughs> Hang on, is this still the shy, the shy retiring person? Oh, well, that came, that came later. But I mean, you know, if, if anybody's listening to this who knows me now, they'll think, what? You know, she was sewing an outfit. I mean, because I'm, you know, I'll shy away from sewing at the yeah, drop of a hat. Yeah. 
So I got very good at that. And then I thought, well, okay, maybe I should stick in fashion. But at the time when I graduated, which was, I'll tell everybody, I graduated in 1980, a long time ago. You know, the fashion industry was in the doldrums. And I thought, I don't know, you know, what am I going to do? I've trained, I've done four years, I've got my degree. What am I? So I tried to get jobs in the fashion industry and nothing was happening. In between time, I was like selling petrol, but as a promotions girl. So, you know, you had to don the boiler suit on and the Stetson. And, you know, I was selling oil and petrol as a promotion and doing all that kind of stuff, trying to get a job. And then I just, on a whim, went down to Newcastle Theatre Royal and I said, do you need anybody? And uh, they didn't because they had it all sewn up with these lovely older ladies. Yes. And then I got a call one Christmas, just before Christmas, from the manager of the Theatre Royal saying, and it was around the time I was graduating. I'd just graduated, I think. He said, would you come and see me? So I did. And, And they said, Barbara Windsor needs somebody to look after her. And she doesn't want any of the ladies that are here because they were all in their 60s or 70s. So that was my first gig dressing, one of my first gigs, dressing Barbara Windsor and Pantone. Brilliant. It was hilarious. Yeah, we had a ball. I was going to think the first time I met you, and I think it must have been BBC time. It was, Mm. it was. And pretty early on me joining, actually, because my mum, again, who who poo-pooed my career, then came up with an advert that she'd seen (laughs) on The Guardian. Um, uh, who said, look, the BBC are advertising for holiday relief costume assistants, assistant costume designers, that was it. You had to have a degree. And so I applied and I went, came down to London and they took me on. I remember I started May the 10th, 1982, as a, as, with a three-month contract. And I'm still here in London. Here the reason I'm laughing about the mother thing is because um, if you've heard any of the others, Jonathan's mother got him a job. My mother found me my, my oh, really? two jobs, but both before and after I graduated, she found adverts. Oh, it seems that the trend seems to be that if, um, see if your mum can, can find a job for you, it seems to work. After she's poo-pooed your suggested career. Right, well, exactly right. But presumably by this point, the point she'd been touched with the you know the brush of, of of stardom barbara windsor you know my my daughter's dressing barbara windsor in the yeah you know, and, and then all the spear carriers at the rsc yeah you know so it was yeah i think she did she well she realized that i was no way going to be in barclays bank or no. or work in an office for that matter so so that's what happened i came and, and it was fantastic for me it was great i hit just at the end of that golden tv period and yeah. people were still staff although i would just had a rolling contract or i came for three months but you know that's all i thought i'd be there for mm. but uh, they kept extending my contract so i was on and off with them but you were with robin stubbs i think the first time i uh... yeah well we went we ended up in a bar didn't we <laughs> yes <laughs> which, which which has kind of established the framework framework for the next 30 40 years quite successfully <laughs> it has and uh, and you know why change so we started off that way why change so so yeah so i remember meeting you um because robin was one of my well actually when you joined the bbc you had to go into something called the strand office which yeah. was you had to cover things like blue peter jim will fix it yeah. top of the pops tomorrow's world um top gear you know, all of that stuff, which all was the great. Bits that, all the bits that the, the designers didn't want to touch. No, nobody wanted to touch those. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you were under the um, auspices of uh, Velma Buckle. <laughs> under yeah. Velma Buckle. And, uh, indeed. and it was great. It was great, great training. It was. And then, you mm. know, you got, you know, it was set up the way it was set up. There was an allocations office. 
and you know you were told who you were going to be allocated to yes i mean it was sort of gun for hire wasn't it you're basically you're indentured you know and they said okay this person needs you off you go oh yeah and you you know you were chopped and you know as as particularly as contract assistants yeah. which i always was for years you know you just chopped and changed yeah you did what um what you were told basically which is an incredible grounding actually if you think about it and robin Stubbs was probably one of the nicest nicest oh, guys in the world yeah he was gorgeous i adored yeah. him but, you yeah. know and and a lot of them were fabulous. A lot of them yeah. weren't, and we're not naming any names. But but nope. but you know, it was it was incredible grounding. And I feel very sorry for people now that you know that that just doesn't exist. No, yeah. that's right. And this is again one of the points that that we've been we've been making that the BBC in its heyday was a superb training ground. An absolute I mean, superb training ground. I mean, it's really funny. You know, uh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, uh, you know, if you lined up a rail incorrectly, you've got wrapped knuckles. And I yes. feel to this day, you know, I look at a rail of clothes and, I, and, you know, if it's lined up for somebody and I still put things in order that I was taught. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. bizarre. And it hasn't left you like your BBC, you know, number. It's like remembering your nan's co-op membership number, isn't it? Yes, Living exactly. number or whatever it was. Yeah, and, and, and it's amazing. You know, people who used to be at the BBC all remember their BBC's number. It's yeah. crazy. So, uh, yeah, but it was, it was fantastic grounding. And, mm. you know, you got to work with very good people and you got to assist some very good people. You would learn a hell of a lot. You knew when to keep your mouth shut and when to open yeah. your mouth. And it, it was, I would, you know, it was, a, it was a golden time, actually. Looking back on it, it was a golden time. It was. And I remember, I remember being in fittings with designers where they've actually crushed their assistants for, oh for daring God, yeah. to express an opinion. Oh, or, or, hello. If you yeah. opened your mouth <laughs> at the wrong time, you yeah. were... You know, dog yeah. meat. Stand there and really? hold the pins. That's, Stand <laughs> that's there and hold job. the pins. I famously, I famously with June Hudson, baby June, lovely baby June. She won't yeah. mind calling her that. She, um, I did a, a one of my first projects, actually proper projects at the Beeb, was Dombey and Son with Julian Glover, and we were in Cosprop. We were actually fitting in Cosprop. I remember. Mm. You know, she'd got, she'd got, we were there and I fell asleep in the fitting. I fell off the chair and Julian and Julian said to me, are we boring you? (laughs) Just (laughs) slid off the chair. That's because you were partying too hard in the, in the bar. Well, sadly, yes. Yes. (laughs) I did like that bar. When the BBC, I mean, basically what seemed to happen is the BBC just went, okay, that's it really. We're just kind of not doing it anymore. Oh, I'd gone by then. Had you? You had gone by then. No, I'd I'd had enough. Basically what happened was they, they, when the management was gotten rid of, they actually gave me a, they employed me full time and then they sacked me because I got pregnant. Anyway, they brought me back. And, and I thought, and then producer, something called producer choice had come in where, you know, BBC weren't tied to just using staff, directors and producers. Yeah, yeah. They could bring outside people in. And what happened was that I was doing, uh, they put me into interviews because a lot of these producers didn't want the older designers. It's a terrible mm-hmm. ages thing, but, you know, there we are. And uh, so, you know, I was sent off to interview and I got on, I got a gig with Antonia Bird lovely Antonia Bird director and um, it was one of those screen ones that they used to do which were individual films one-off films yes yeah and so um, she took me on and you know that was it really I started so I started doing a lot of those screen ones and screen twos of various 
other you know directors and uh, but what was happening because you were staff at the BBC they gave you increments they give you like increments every year and I'd only been there a year on staff so I was like actually one of the lowest paid members of the department I found yeah. out and um, my wardrobe assistant was was earning three times as much as me as honest on yeah. a freelance contract and I just thought well I'm not having this I'm not I'm going right. so, so I did I went I said I'm going um, you know, and they said, oh, can we not keep you? I said, well, if you can pay me what, you know, you're paying my wardrobe assistant, mm. I'll, I'll stay. But they couldn't. So that yeah. was it. I was off. And yeah, I went out into the big wide world. I mean, I had worked actually all the time I was at the Beeb because I was always on contract. I'd gone and done stuff for Thames. I'd, I ended up at Pebble Mill. I'd gone to Yorkshire. I'd gone to, you know, Granada. Yes, because you weren't tied, were you? It was just no, literally... you weren't tied. Yeah, it was in yeah. between. You know, if you had a, yeah. you had a three month contract, and then they'd either renew it or Not. they'd let you go. So yeah. you know, I was doing other stuff in between, some commercials. So I wasn't tied to them. So for me, it wasn't a big deal to say, "Okay, I'm off." I'm off. I think some no. people found it very difficult. I think some of the institutionalized people found it terrible. Yeah, because terribly were, it was a very, very protected environment. Yeah, it really was. It was, you know. Um, so I didn't have that problem at all. So learning the craft. I wanted to talk to you about Full Monty, which of course you know everybody uh -huh. knows. Um, and I promise I won't be too boring about it. Oh, don't I worry. Want to, I want to talk to you about Tenth Kingdom as well and, and various other things. But how tricky was it to get those costumes done, choreographed, and sorted? I mean, I'm just curious. It looks effortless when they do it. Yes. Well, I'll tell you. They the um. It was a really tough shoot. Uh, I'll make no secret of the fact, and I think they they all know it was a tough shoot. And uh, we had so little money. I mean, yeah. so little money. And we prepped it in Sheffield, and I used a lot of Sheffield Market actually for a lot of the clothes. I, mm. I found, which actually, when you think about it, is exactly right. I mean, well, you know, these people, been. yeah. These, I mean, those boys are wealthy; they're unemployed. I mean, it's yeah, just... exactly. So you know, it was perfect. You know. Yeah. £2.50 sweater from Sheffield Market. Uh, yeah. Clone Zone made the red leather thongs. And I, you know, I, I questioned at the time, red leather, that's going to be really uncomfortable. But no, it had to be a red leather thong. So mm. I got Clone Zone to make them. We had to line Bobby's because it was a little chafing on him. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Which but, is what yeah. I call an interview. This is this is this is expose in the truest sense expose of the word. Expose <laughs> in the truest sense. Bobby's red leather thong chase. <laughs> so we had to line it for him in red silk. I mean, really, when I think back, it was we had so little money. It was like doing things on the hoof, and you know, we had to do things quite quickly. And anyway, we got it all together, and it came to the stripping scene, mm -hmm. and um, we were all building up to this. And I remember the night before. We'd done the rehearsal scene where the police arrest them and Tom's pants, if you look at that movie, you can see Tom's pants are actually falling off him. Tom Wilkinson's pants are falling off him because the Velcro had worn off because they'd been rehearsing. Right. Yeah. So I remember I got all the pants re-Velcroed and the night before we did the strip, Tom couldn't pull his pants off. And I thought, oh, good Lord, here we go. You know, no, they're going to be standing in front of all these women and nobody's going to be able to pull their pants off. Mm -hmm. So we got it. He got, I said, no, you've got to pull them down and out, Tom. So anyway, he got that. But I was absolutely dreading it. So we got there the next morning. I brought a case of champagne because we were all so nervous. Me and they were terrified, but me and you know, I was nervous. Yeah. We were all nervous. So I brought a crate of champagne and uh, somebody decided to give them whiskey chasers or brandy chasers. Ooh. So if you look, we were all drunk. <laughs> we were all drunk. So if you look, if you watch that 
that sequence you know you look in all those actors eyes they are not there I mean, they, are <laughs> they, they were really quite ill and uh, uh yeah we did we did it and it was incredible but I, we had to make an announcement because i had one of everything and we we had to um it was a real audience that went to strip clubs, real yeah. women that went to strip clubs and it was terrifying they were like baying for blood by seven in the morning and they'd already got rid of the warm-up act who had been a sort of drag stripper i don't know what he was but anyway he'd been booed <laughs> off the stage so we were all you know quaking in our boots and we had to make an announcement you know we were going to do this over several times and that we had one tie each guy had one tie each guy had one belt we had one hat one shirt you know it was and please don't keep souvenirs yeah. so you know when these things went into the audience they were very good actually everybody volunteered their piece of you know costume that they'd acquired to give it back so it was good but yeah the, the, it was incredible actually it was incredible and i remember sitting standing by the side of the wings at the stage and i was saying to tessa who was my assistant I was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, have the pants come off? And she said, can you not hear that roar, Jill? Because I couldn't look. <laughs> now, talking, talking about assistance, um, you've worked with Charlotte Seal Bow a lot. I have, Bow, yeah. yes, Beau. I have. Beck to Bow. Beck and, to um, Beau. yes. And the three of us have worked worked together on a number of yeah. things. Two men, two men went to war. Yeah, is, is one yeah, that yeah. I particularly enjoy with affection. Oh, yeah, we had a lovely time on that, yeah. Having, having somebody like Charlotte, presumably, if it didn't work for you, you wouldn't you wouldn't work together with 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 her. But oh no, that... we're like an old we're like an old married couple. We're pathetic. It's it's like you know she <laughs> she finishes my sentences and we're always arguing. And but she you know she's fantastic and she works so hard. And for me, you know that's just a shorthand now, which I don't need worry about. You know, yeah. she knows what I like. She gets on with things. She's great. And mm. and I. I'd frankly be lost without her. I mean, I really would. There was a period of time where we sort of missed, you know, she got offered a job and I wasn't working. And so we, we got out of sync. Um, but, you know, and I, you know, of course, had, well, other people. But, you know, she's we do have a shorthand and she's yeah. she worked incredibly hard. And I would I would be lost without her. You know, she's um, she's great. She's great. So it is important to try and have, you know, I know people have relationships with people and that's and it is it is good because we now work at such a speed you yes. know um that that you haven't got time sadly to sort of you know um help. no you're right if you if, if you think back to those bbc oh, God, times, yeah. you know you know we haven't done the shoes today let's have lunch next tuesday and we'll carry on you know those days <laughs> yes. are long gone you know you meet the actor and you have lunch and then you might do a bit of shopping and then you reconvene in a week's time and then maybe you can get it yeah. then you reconvene the week after i mean i remember you know they could you know some designers could pull a show if they didn't have all their cast in place six weeks before they shot, I mean, hello. Yeah, that's right. They have everything lined up, everything ready to go, everything yeah. everything that needed making, yeah. making. None of this, done. oh, we're flying so-and-so nope. in this afternoon, and by the way, they work on Monday. No. I know. But interestingly, yeah. I, I'm wondering with this new, you know, this new code of practice that's going to yeah. come in, I, yeah. I, I'm hoping that, you know, people are going to have to rethink that because, you know, it's gotten silly that, you know, we're flying the actor in, that, that night and you'll see him in the morning and by the way we want him ready on camera yeah. at 10 i mean it's, I it's know. crazy I, I, th I think by default jill it is going to slow things down it's going to have to slow things down i, I hope so, and much as you know none yeah. of us want to wear ppe yeah. i mean looking like something from outer space but no. equally 
you know, if it does help us in the fact that, you know, we actually get time to think and time to prep yeah. properly, yeah. then that that's that can only be a good thing. Because it's certainly true, isn't it, that, you know, prep times and, and turnaround times have got ridiculously short. Now. Well, you know, life's just too short. It's too stressful. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people yeah. that really cares about a project. You know, I want to do my best work if I can. Yeah. And I don't want to be in that position that that will have to do and send it on. That's not how what we came into this business for. So, yeah. you know, we all want to do a good job. But, you know, you you can be pushed and pushed and pushed. Well, actually, many years ago, I was said. I was told by somebody who said, "You know, Jill, until you stand there at seven o'clock in the morning and say, sorry, the costume's not here,' I did tell you. Then people are going to keep pushing you." Yeah, I think that's. I think that's true. I think the worst phrase is "it'll do" because oh, yeah. it, you know, "it'll do" isn't isn't good no, enough. It's not. But you're right. But it, but at, at so one, many of at us, one point, you know, into that yeah, position. At one point, somebody's going to have to say, "Actually, you know what." I haven't got this costume you know he arrived at midnight it's now three o'clock in the hour in the morning and yeah. there hasn't been time to, to do it but still you know even then people still won't believe you but but you know until no. one of us is prepared to have that argument yeah. we're gonna they're gonna carry on pushing a tricky question for you yeah. but which is the favorite project that you've worked on i mean i know that's a silly thing to say because you know presumably oh, there have been some that you loved working on and some that you yeah well, maybe so uh, look I, oh god yeah i haven't thought about this really mm. um look there's some of them are just delightful to work on and nobody's ever heard of them or seen them and and others have been horrendous to work on and they've done quite well i i had a particularly nice time you mentioned two men went to war i we had a you know we had a ball on that really we did i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. um uh, i enjoyed sliding doors I actually loved working on Johnny English. I had great fun on Johnny English. You know, Peter Howard, director, was great fun. You know, he used to listen to what you said. And um, I really enjoyed uh, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers. I had a great relationship with the director on that. And, you know, he basically just said to me when I got the job, he said, all right, off you go. Call me when you've yeah. got <laughs> Just go and do it. And I, and I remember thinking, oh, good Lord, here we go, you know. But... It was great in terms of research, and I love research, all of that. So, mm, so things, you're good at research. I, I, I love research. So, so, so all of that, you know, was and but they were lovely to do. They were great fun to do, and we we had laughed. I like to laugh, Richard. Life's too short, know. you know. Life's too short. I do like to laugh. So, so e- e- a lot of projects have all had great things about them. Um, mm. Favorite? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, it's an unfair. It's an unfair question, really. Probably, you know. I mean, if you know, you, you you've already said this, Jill. If you didn't love the business and love doing what you're doing, you wouldn't be doing it. It's something. It strikes me that you've known in your heart you want to do since you were ten. Well, yeah, it is, is, and I and I count myself very lucky that a I had that passion because so many kids these days don't know what they want to do. But I, I count myself very lucky that A, I, I wanted to do that. I knew what I wanted to do. And B, I got there, you know, by yeah. hook or by crook. You know, I somehow, I mean, I, listen, there's nobody more surprised than me, I can tell you. But here I am, um, <laughs> you know, from where I started out. So, so you know, I, I do count my blessings. And, and I do, you know, deep down, I, I look, it's tough. It's a tough job. Let's make no bones about it these days. It's a tough job. But yeah. I enjoy it, you know, and I have fun. 
I have to. So you've come, you've come to it in a fairly circuitous way, but if, if, if somebody listening to this was thinking, well, God, this sounds like this woman's really kind of driven and, and, and I'd like to be that person and I'd like to I don't know, create the next full Monty striptease act or whatever it is, yeah. red thongs are in my, my thing. Yeah. What piece of advice would you actually give them? Well, I think, I think you've got to have a passion and I think you've got to have a passion. Yeah. And I think actually Julian Day said something. I listened to his podcast and I thought, yeah, Julian, you're right. You know, perseverance, even the, even if you think you're not persevering, I was never aware that I was persevering, but I must have been. You know, I never felt like I was persevering, just keeping going, keeping going. But I've kept going. And so actually, it's a very, it's a good point that, you know, just if you really want to do what you want to do, and like I say, I came to it from a, from a, a point of being told what I should be doing, as opposed to what I wanted to do. So I think if you really have a passion and really love what you're doing, and want to do it, you will do it. You know, you will, you'll just keep going. And I think it's a very good thing. Just, you know, head down, keep going and don't be despondent because you never know what can happen. You never, you never know what can happen. You know, don't give up because you might think you're down and out and believe you me, I've been there many, many times, mm. but you, you know, you'll have good, you'll have good years and bad years. I mean, I've had loads of bad years in my career, you know, where I, one year I just didn't work, couldn't get arrested. I remember. You know, so... Mm. And you think, oh, what am I doing? You know, what's going wrong? But, you know, you just have to keep going. And I, and I think um, you will be rewarded eventually. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, if your mum if your mum can find an advert for a job, well, yeah. <laughs> then that certainly helps. It, well, well, it did. You know, different times, though, weren't they, Richard? Different times. Yeah, and uh, well, sadly, sadly, that, you know, they don't happen anymore. You know, I, I was actually very lucky. And, and, and I, I, you know, took advantage of that. I, I try to learn as much as possible. I'm still learning. God, you never, you never know anything. I'm everything. I'm still learning. You know, every job I do, it's a, it's a learning curve for me. Yeah, it really is. And and I think that's the thing as well. You know, accept that you're just going to be constantly learning. You know, you know, I, th- I, I am very suspicious of people that think they know it all. I don't know it all. <laughs> I don't know it all at all. No. You know, I just, it's, it's a constant learning curve for me and each project is different and i think the other thing about you and you've said this is that you bring a sense of humor and a sense of balance to it as well jill you oh, know God, it, you've it's, got it's to. an important job there's a lot of money involved yeah. there's a lot of people's careers yeah, involved, know, and there's a lot of egos yeah, but i'm not saving lives i'm not saving no. lives and you know i remember when the um when the bombs went off in two was it 2007 the 77 bombs yeah and i remember i was fitting mm-hmm. mira sayel and we were doing a woody allen film and I, we were in ealing and we were fitting and uh, everybody started calling us like are you okay are you okay and i thought what's what's gone on and we were it was pretty stressy that job it was a bit stressy that job and uh, mm-hmm. i remember talking to um the production designer and she had a friend that was in charge of you know, dealing with germ warfare if we were ever hit in the Hammersmith area. And we were saying, that's stress. That is stress, you know, dealing yes. dealing with something like that when when we're dealing with, oh, God, this top doesn't fit. What do we got? Or Woody, you know, what else have you got? You know, because he didn't like what you presented. <laughs> so I think uh, you've got to have, you've got to have some perspective on this. And also I've lost too many people in my life now, you know, to think that he, Look, we all take it seriously. We all want to do a good job, but there's got to be a balance. And you yeah. know, there's got to be. And I don't live and breathe costume. I don't. You know, I have 
I go and make, you know, build fences and and, well, and dry stone walls, I walling and concrete yes. thing. I'm now a master yes. cobbler in terms of laying cobbles in, in concrete, but uh, you know, that's my other life. But but do you take on commissions? Because I could know, do. I could <laughs> this is a load of old cobblers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I think uh, you've got to have a perspective, and I I I'm the head of department, but equally I want everybody to be able to come and talk to me because I grew up with, you know, designers who, you know, they were very aloof and you couldn't go and talk to them. You couldn't share things. You couldn't ask certain things, you know, some people. So yeah. I just have that open door. Yeah, talk to me. I want to know everybody. I want to know everybody's problems on my team. And, you know, we're all in it together. You know, we are a team mm -hmm. making making a piece of, you know, well, a, yeah, piece of entertainment. So, yeah. and that, that is important, isn't it? Well, I, I think it is. And I think, you know, you've got yeah. to have a sense of humor and you've got to. And I think I, I'm, and also I don't have that kind of ego where I'm going to be offended if somebody doesn't like something I've done. You know, I think, all right, well, we'll, we'll try and come up with an alternative. And, I, and mm. I, don't, I try not, and, you know, and I think it starts at the top. If you're really stressy, your whole team's going to be stressy. So I try, you know, not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and the relation, the relationship that we have. I mean, you and I have a good oh, relationship. Richard, the relationship I love between... you. I love you. <laughs> oh, Jill, I love you too. <laughs> the costume houses that you work with. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of um, my week with Marilyn, where yeah. we actually found that yeah. Laurence Olivier uniform tunic. Do you remember? Yeah, and it was the actual. And it's been. It was the copy of the original, wasn't it? It was. It was yeah. one of the double yeah. or something. I think it was the doubles. Yeah. I don't think it was actually his, was it? But um, yes. well, and then Bo got all upset about putting an eaglet on the wrong way. Yeah, they did. But, I um, wasn't there that day, and and amazingly, Ken Branner let them get away with it. And uh, but there was yeah. anyone I saw rushes. I said, "What on earth was going on with the eaglet? You know how you know it was swinging. What were you doing?" But I think they were so because Ken had a, a thing about creasing. They were so uptight about he was uptight about something creasing on the collar that nobody mm. thought about the eaglet. But there. No, yeah. you know, I think, you know, with angels, what's great about angels for me is you you just get surprised all the time. But what I love yeah. about angels is you can go in with a brief of what you want and you get you find something else, a complete gem, and you think, wow, I hadn't thought of that. That would be great. And so then you're led on to something else within within the the building. So um that's what's great, you know, because you've got so much, uh, so much stock in there. You know, you, things can be, you can be more fluid in there, you know. And I think, mm. I think it's a, you know, it's it's fantastic. Look, we all know it's hard work, and when I retire, Richard, I'm still going to come and sort it out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have said that, haven't you? I have. You're still angling, you're still angling for this retirement yeah, that's job. That's my retirement job because I do. Once I start pulling, I think, well, that's in the wrong. Place. I'm going to put that in the right area. So, and then suddenly four hours has gone by, and I've been doing your filing. You know, you. you has it ever occurred to you that maybe we do this deliberately just to keep you engaged? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. yeah I, it has crossed my mind. You know, I think, well, that's in the wrong period. I'm going to move it now. Um, but, but no, it's uh, you know we know it's it's it has its challenges. You know, there is so much stock in there. It's hard work. But equally, you know, it can throw up all sorts of gems which you hadn't thought about initially. So yeah. I think, um, I think that you know, particularly angels, 
that's fantastic. The other thing I wanted to say um, is that I, I have to say how generous you are in, in terms of your thanks. I'm looking on my wall ah. at the picture of all of those, <laughs> all of those Egyptian <laughs> ladies with, with, with merci, we Richard. We thought that would cheer you up. What it was great about that, you know, we made a sign saying merci, Richard. And... Um, uh, you know, I was just, I said to all the girls, you know, we had teams of girls who we dressed up, you know, and all, again, all from angels, you know, all the great, great things that we found and put together. Mm. And they looked amazing. Uh, and so we, um, I just went round and it really was great on set that day because, it, you know, it had been a bit stressy with the producer had broken his leg. And was, yeah, so he's in it. Oh, we've got crutches, him on crutches, yeah. And he didn't come back. So, you know, things had been going wrong with that project. Uh, and, you know, we didn't have a producer for a while. And so it was getting a bit stressy. And this was a big scene and we were in Morocco filming. And I just thought, oh, come on, let's just... And it lightened the whole day. Everybody wanted to be in on it. You know, everybody said, mm. what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, oh, Richard, you know, helped us so much with all of this. And and uh, so that's what we did. And then we got... Uh, that's really nice. We got Gaddafi to do it as well, didn't we? Yes, you did. Yes, and then there's a picture of you and Bo yes, um, in there as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And then we did exactly the same thing for for, for the costumers on Military Wire. Well, Again, you know, that was... The uniform. Yeah, because we had a bit you. of a screw-up on that, didn't we? Which we won't talk about. But, mm, but, we won't talk about that. No, there, I, was, I was felt for... <laughs> You know, one of your team was so distraught. And I thought, well, you know, mm. we'll just... And the boys were great. You know, they just said... I said, because they were all in their uniforms with all everything on. And um, I said, come on, guys. I've made these signs. Just hold them for Richard and the team. And they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it lightens, Very, it lightens it all, doesn't it? It's, on the face of it, it sounds like a... a it's not a silly thing to do. It's a lovely thing to do, but it's it. You know, it sounds like a simple thing to do, but it's 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 brilliant that you thought about it, and, it, and it's really nice, and it certainly lightens my morning every time I come well, in. Yeah, so, and it, and as it so as you. it should, you know, and 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 I think you know yeah. it is important to acknowledge all the work you do. Well, you do a lot yeah. for me, and and it's important to acknowledge that. And you welcomed me with open arms always. So yeah. So listen, thank you very, very much for this. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a long time in the coming. As I say, we were trying to we were trying to do it while you we were, were while you were up in Northumberland. We but um yeah. we've got it now. And Natalia, thank you very much for being the sound engineer. Oh, I'll shout Jill's actually doing this at somebody else's yeah. somebody yeah. else's computer. Well, because I'm so I'm so old fashioned, my computer wouldn't load Zencaster, so uh, N- N- um, Natalia Georgiardu, there you are. People will yeah, um, yeah. A shout a out to Natalia. Yeah, so I'm here yeah. at the computer doing this. So listen, um, enjoy your enjoy your time. You're back down south now. So I am. Well, listen, I hope it won't be too long before I see you again. And thank you for this, Jill. I really, really do appreciate your time. And um, I've learned things. I knew you were a Newcastle girl, and there are various things that we haven't touched on because, as you say, our relationships normally built around the pub. Yeah. So there are things like you know, what's what's said in the pub stays in the pub. But I, you can take the last out of Geordie Land, but you can't take Geordie Land out of the <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so listen, I wouldn't change you for one bit. You take care. And you and you. So that was Richard's conversation with Jill, and now we all know the answer about what best to line your your trunks with if you're stripping. <laughs> Silk. <laughs> a lesson for us all there, I feel. It's amazing to hear how Jill's changed from when she was a student to where she is now, and at least it definitely comes out of 
what a person she she has become and how she used to be and it's amazing she stood up for herself and knew what she wanted to do and went after it mm. and how the world has evolved since then yeah and she's a lot of fun she's a great she's a lot of fun the next interview we're releasing is my interview with Anne Masgray. Anne is the first maker we're going to be interviewing in the sense of that's where she started from and it's a really interesting conversation and goes across her whole career from start takes in the hobbit as well which was an amazing job for her and then up to the present day it's a it's a really good chat that i really enjoyed doing yes and in fact i, I saw that um the, the show that we worked with her last on where you worked with her last on singapore grip is actually being aired in australia fairly soon don't know when it's going to be released over here it looks great we hope you enjoyed these chats and here's a small sample of my conversation with anne Masgray. Sometimes I will get inspired first by a piece of fabric rather than the sitting with a blank piece of paper and a pencil and so frequently would design on the stand, as it were, like draped fabrics on the stand, put fabrics together on the stand. And I still do that because it's like, well, that doesn't quite work with that. I need something else to go there. So a lot of those dwarf costumes were put together just by me gathering textures and colours that I like together and then going right the missing thing is this and we'll have to print something for that.